Yo, comic fam, make sure to stick around to the end of this show because we have a foreign comic giveaway with a Steranko cover. And you know you're going to want it because Steranko don't stank. Comic fam, we're back. And you're going to hit that subscribe button because we make so much weird comic book themed content. And yes, Durank don't stink, Jeff. You nailed it with that one. It's true. And the guy's legendary. That's right. And comic fam, hit that like button. We need your support. Slap it right out the gate because if you do, you're going to help our show produce more content for you, the comic book community. We're talking about a fun few things. Foreign comics out the gate. Got some cool stuff here. We also have an unboxing that we got to do. CGC stuff came in, and we got some fun stuff to go over, don't we? We do. And on top of the unboxing, we get to talk about some original artwork and then uh, comments, which I'm excited for some of these viewer comments, guys. Thank you again for commenting down below. We're back from C2E2. I haven't gotten sick. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I can't believe we didn't get sick, dude. I can't believe it either. A lot of sanitizing. Yes. It was. It was a lot of hand washing, a lot of sanitizing. I can't, like, literally my knuckles, my yeah. right pinky knuckles started to bleed because it was so dry from constantly sterilizing and washing. Isn't it crazy that Emerald City has officially gotten postponed? It's a little wild, but I think it makes sense. I mean, you're literally in the epicenter, the ground zero of where it started for this country. So I get it. Postpone it to, to summertime, which I got to tell you, I like it in the summer. I mean, it's beautiful out here in the summertime. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people going out specifically just because of the weather. You know what? People are going to be hungry for some comic book themed content, especially with the delay of one of the biggest conventions in the Pacific Northwest. Absolutely. And you know what I'm excited is potentially, I, you know, I don't want to say potentially, but in the past they have graded on site. Oh. But because it's closer to C2E2, they choose C2E2 to do on site grading. CGC. CGC. But now that it's in the summertime, God, I hope they bring that back. On-site grading at Emerald, oh my God, that would be amazing. Please, please. Ooh, I hope so. Do a small prayer to Thor. Save me a trip over to the USPS to send my box of comics to get graded. I have a bunch of stuff that I want to get done. But not before we jump right into podcast number 26. Hit the subscribe button, comic fam. All right, so we're going to jump into foreign comic books. Dude, I'm sitting next to a book that I've been hunting for for over three years. And I'm so stoked to show the comic fan, but not before I show you about just a really fun piece of Yugoslavian history. <laughs> Let's get into it. Show me, show me. All right, this right here is Panorama Issue 112. I showed this to you before the show so you can speak on it. Um, why don't we describe first a little bit about changes that foreign countries chose to make on particular Americana, specifically in comic books. Yeah, so you're showing me this panorama number 112. It, say, it says it came out in 1967, and it's Yugoslavian, and we got Captain America on here. I mean, this is some type of, I'm sure, 60s propaganda in that area where you have America's symbol of freedom for this character, but they're using it with a much different color scheme. And I don't know why they changed it up as much as they did but it's interesting to see cap in this perspective because you have him and is like he's like bare-legged okay and he's got like these bicycle slash booty shorts on that are just weird to see him in and this whole color color scheme is strange but like the yugoslavian flag i know it's got that red star which is pretty prominent but the black and yellow shield is is different and i don't quite understand the influence i know like the imperial russian flag in the late 1800s was 
had black and yellow in it, so maybe that's part of it, but this is a strange cap. Correct. You know, this is actually a Kirby cap that has been altered from Avengers issue number 10. This is actually a pinup that's in the American version that was chosen to be the cover of this oversized newsprint. And this is an example of something that I would, you know, put more along the side of like propaganda almost. You know, this is an American figure that has been altered to the point where, you know, you have parts of their flag that has been incorporated into the design. Specifically notice that the star placement is actually much sharper. It's more precise, similar to the Yugoslavian flag. And there is um, certain flags that have a banner around that star that is yellow. So it, it actually makes sense why you would see a yellow incorporated into this particular cap. Um, first off, how would you describe this newsprint? I mean, the page quality is really nice. It's still white. Um, it's really just good quality paper. It's interesting that this particular issue was able to last this long because I would assume most being oversized would have a lot of, you know, potential for wear. And, you know, this isn't even a full comic book. This is kind of a collection of different Marvel titles. And there's actually two pages on the inside that are from Avengers issue number 10. So, yeah, we have three different pieces of Avengers 10 in this Yugoslavian foreign comic book. Um, let's tell the community about the first page. So these are the two pages I'm, I'm sure you're talking about. Right. One is Iron Man battling Merlin, and that's just one page of the story. And there's like a second story here where it's Thor versus Hercules. So I'm not sure why there's just two stories in it, or two pages even, and not full stories, but um, the rest of it's just black and white, other comic strips in here as well. Take a look at this Avengers 10 that we have here, and let's compare the two. You can actually see the differences in color choices, and you can nail down what pages they actually are in reference to. I'm just going to count the pages really quick. <laughs> do it. <laughs> I can't do it that Where's your way. gloves? It's impossible. <laughs> it's so hard. I don't know how he does it. All right. I flipped right to it, right in the centerfold. So right in the centerfold is the Merlin Iron Man, and when you go to... The next page after the centerfold is the Thor and Hercules. So I wonder why they chose it. I mean, it's right off the centerfold. Yeah, there's so, an ad in between them. Yeah, so I wonder if it's there wasn't much thought behind it or purpose, but here's the pinup we want. Let's pick these two pages. Yeah, they must have just purchased it. Hey, just give us two pages. Compare the two, though. Let's take a look at the color work there. Everything seems to be accurate. I think just because it's printed on a different type of paper, the colors pop a little better. Um, but they changed the Captain America colors, but I'm not seeing any change in the interior characters. Isn't that interesting? Of all three pages, the only one they chose to alter. Last thing we have to do is take a quick look at that pinup in that Avengers issue number 10. Okay. Let's compare the caps. So and I want see. you to tell me which one you like better. I don't know if it's only because I grew up with them or not, but I just think this is better in so many <laughs> manners yeah i think it's just the bare legs that are the issue and the color scheme doesn't work for me i mean you got like i don't even know what's going on with the color of the gloves and the and the boots let alone the naked leg and arms i mean i don't know what's happening there but this is just oh, it's so good it's so good kirby did it right okay so the next book that we need to chat about here while i give that to you to be careful with that tape right there the Thank next you. book that we got to chat about here is 
some Starank goodness. Okay, so, dude, it's been a long time, man. I've been hunting for it for a long time. But this copy of the Hulk, annual, number one. Can you explain to the community why this book that was available in Denmark, it's a Danish comic book, Printed in Finland. A lot of these foreign issues were printed in Finland. But this Danish version of Hulk Annual Number 1, why this is so special to me. I know exactly why this is so special. Outside of the fact you've been looking for it for so long, is that this has Jim Steranko's original face to the Hulk. Because the Hulk Annual 1 that we all know has been altered with Marie Severin's face. So this is what it should have looked like originally before it was done over again. Yeah, over at Marvel, after receiving Starenko's work, you know, his idea was, well, if the Hulk is holding his own title, he's going to be stressed out, like it's heavy. He's going to look ugly, like he's going to look real ugly. <laughs> and that's kind of what went into the vision of this cover. But then once it was given to Marvel, they had to give it to Marie Severin to kind of clean the face up, make him look more handsome. So Hulk Annual 1, one of my all-time favorite covers, is kind of a collaborative event that took place with that creation, but I want to have the original complete Starank cover. And now I have one. Yeah. It seems like somehow the regular edition got circulated before the change for the American version. So a lot of the foreign uh, copies will have the original face to it. Exactly. And this particular issue was just one that was to my liking because there were more rocks on it. They didn't change it too much, but it's fantastic. And if you comment on today's video, I want to know from the community which cover you like better. I've kind of seen a split here, but I want to say that more people like the Marie Severin face. I prefer the Steranko face. What do you prefer? I'm the, on the Marie Severin side for sure for me. All right. Well, if the community lets us know in the comment section, it's going to enter you to win a giveaway. We do a lot of giveaways. And today's giveaway is actually courtesy of the member of the community who hooked me up with this book, Klaus over in Greece. He actually sent me this. I bought this from him. He completed this need I had. You know, I've been hunting for this book for a long time and it's exciting. I'm going to have it signed and I'm going to get it graded. But he actually went one full step further and he sent me a second copy for the comic book community. He found a low grade copy that I'm going to be able to send out as Comic Karma. Comment down below. Let us know what you think about this and it'll enter you to win this foreign comic goodness. Thanks, Klaus. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you for having us give something back to the community that's on the foreign side. All right. You have a foreign comic book that you wanted to share. Yeah. I want to talk about foreign comic book. This is a Golden Age foreign comic book. And this is a Canadian version. So the cool thing about this comic book, this is actually Manhunt number 12. Okay. This book up to December of last year was assumed to not exist. Okay. So at some point, Manhunt number 11 came out in 1948 and then started again with issue 13 in 1952 or 3, I believe. This is dated 1948. It came out in Canada, issue number 12. And this copy, not this copy, but a copy sold, a 1.0 just sold for $7,200 in December of last year. Okay. So for a book that didn't allegedly exist... I have now seen three to four copies, and that's probably the highest grade. It's a CBCS, what is it, 5.5? Five, five. So I was really lucky to get that. I got that actually from a Canadian collector. 
and I just picked it up. I, I got, I think, a fantastic deal on it, so I was pretty excited about that. But the cool thing is that the artwork on the cover is done by Ogden Whitney, which is a, a great famous artist, and the interiors have L.B. Cole. And you can almost see an L.B. Cole influence in the colors on the front cover. Yeah, let's describe this cover. It's a 5.5 off-white to white pages, Manhunt number 12. It says the FBI, Scotland Yard, Northwest Mounted, Secret Service Manhunt, issue number 12, The Frightened People. The color work is very vibrant. We have vibrant yellows and reds and oranges. And someone who's in like a, a flame retardant suit and who almost looks like he's whipping this couple that are clearly together. His arm is wrapped around this damsel in distress. And I find this fascinating. In the last year, this comic book you're saying wasn't known to have existed. This issue of Manhunt number 12. It was only after a foreign comic was uncovered in Canada where collectors realized that hole in the numbers, in the sequence, was actually filled on a foreign market. It was found in a swap meet last year. Amazing. And for the first, so go think about that. Like, How long has the price guy been out? How many people have been collecting comics? And only now to realize that there's actually a number 12 issue to be found out. And then a couple more have come out in the marketplace since, still on the very low end. So historically, it's a, it's a really cool book. How many are truly out there? I think we'll find out. But the other thing that I read, I read somewhere that there might even be potential for Zeta art in here. But Whoa. again, I, it's it's sealed. I haven't opened it. I just got it. I think more will come out in time because sometimes you have to identify that artwork. Just because someone says that doesn't mean it's been a truly identified. So it's really a really, really special piece. All right, comic fam, we got to ask the guru to bring this piece back. If you slap that like button, he may consider opening it on camera if he does want to check for that Rosetta art. Because dude... There's L.B. Cole in there. That's crazy to me that there's L.B. Cole art that exists in comic books that was recently discovered. My mind's being blown. Yeah, I wouldn't mind opening up. I mean, it's, it's, it's a solid book. I mean, 5-5 five, five all day easy. So I have no concern opening that up. You know, if you guys are really that interested in seeing the interior of it, you can check it out. Why not? All right. Last foreign book I want to show the community before we move on is this Avengers issue number 190. Five and 96, we have a combo. They did this in the foreign market. They would combine comic books sometimes. And in this case, I'm so glad they did because we have Avengers issue number 196 on the cover, first appearance of Taskmaster. But some argue, well, is it 195? Because he does appear on the last page in Cameo. Well, if you get this French version, well, you don't have to make that decision because both are inside. And what would you say is the biggest difference of this version versus the American 196? Oh, it's the blue background. Absolutely. Yeah. Describe that for our audio listeners. Yeah. So you have the the Taskmaster and his, you know, powerful pose that he's that we're all familiar with in his first appearance on 196. Um, but the cover his background is green. This one is an actually really nice blue. It's a really nice blue, isn't it? And I'm. I'm glad you I, described the blue as really nice. I really yeah. enjoy this cover. I like this version better than I like the green version. I do too, man. I was going to ask you that, and I didn't expect you to say that. Yeah, things really pop on this cover. So, again, that's what I love about the foreign books, because you'll see variations, and you're like, 
that was way better that way. It's crazy. Sometimes you have a cap in his like basically boy shorts, underwear, you know, and you go, you know what? It's okay. It's kind of fun, but that's not my cap. But other times you see key covers and you go, damn, they ha- they're onto something there. It just pops so much more with that blue. Yeah, this was great. Great, great design, good color choice. And um, did you see the latest Black Widow trailer? I did, and that's why I wanted to show this to you. So stoked about Taskmaster. Throwing the shield, going up against Red Guardian. This dude is going to live up to the hype, and I was really, really concerned at first. But this most recent preview, this is what I needed. He looks like he's got that skeleton mask on a little bit. It's close enough. I'm in. Comment down below. Let us know your thoughts, and let's take a look at this next collectible item that the guru brought. So I'm hopping on eBay one day and, you know, you're doing your general searches, you know, you have your safe searches and you're just kind of checking stuff out, what's popped up. And um, this thing popped up for me and it's a quickie headshot sketches. So basically it's a book full of con sketches that someone had artists do. So there's 24 head sketches in here, but one of them was with Bernie Wrightson on it and he had Swamp Thing drawn. So I was like, dang, that was automatically interesting enough for me to click. Sure. So I click and I realize, and I look at all these names, and they're just classic artists there. And then a bunch of other modern artists, but at least five, I think, are no longer with us in that book. And it was just, it was a piece of like historical history of head sketches of, from artists that I could actually add to my collection that I don't have. I don't have a Bernie Wrightson piece, really. And, and then we'll go through there, but you, you check it out. You just stop at whatever you think is interesting. And we, we should just discuss it. Yeah, this is a fascinating thing because I think a lot of members of the community are either looking for comics or they're looking for original work, but they don't think to go a little bit more specific. Head sketches, a sketchbook, these things exist. I've seen them many times. And I know a lot of collectors who own these. I know a lot of dealers. Like what, some of their most prized possessions are in their like personal sketchbook that they bring to convention to convention and the off chance that they can get something done and these hit ebay from time to time and routinely go missed i'm curious you got over 20 sketches yeah i think there was 24 sketches in there it was like 660 bucks it was like you're paying like less than 40 bucks a sketch less than 30 bucks a sketch okay so less so consider that comic fam now you went all in though you're getting all of them here and this right here is a it's i would say about two-thirds the size of a comic book it's it's, uh yeah two-thirds in width and height and it's got this hard cover you know on the outside but this particular notepad has screws on the top so i'm imagining that you can add paper to this absolutely you can unscrew it you can add paper or you can remove the sketches and then you can individually frame them if you like oh yeah so you can take any one of these out how cool is that okay so on the very front of this you know this is like a you know two pieces of thick cardboard holding all of these canvas pieces of paper that are all cut uniformly. It says quickie headshot sketches. And when I open this up, the, the cover in Sharpie actually has conventions written down that this person visited. I guess it's New York comic con motor city con pretty cool. It's like a little bit of the history of where this came from. Yeah, absolutely. There's five cons that he visited and it's probably where he got all his sketches from. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to start off this. I'm going to open this up, and we're going to start with, we got to start with Feldstein. Okay, yes. So there is an Al Feldstein, um, Alfred E. Newman head sketch there, right? How cool is that? freaking cool, man. So the cool thing about that, if you don't know Alfred E. Newman, Mad Magazine is where he's from. Yeah, the face on all the Mad Magazines. Yeah, and um, 
Harvey Kurtzman, okay, who has also worked for EC, Mad Magazine started off as a, as a comic book. And it was a comic book from issues 1 through 23. And then 24 became a magazine. So Harvey Kurtzman decided to use Alfred E. Newman's head. Now, Alfred E. Newman, he's been around probably another two-ish plus decades before that. He was using some advertising for some dental um, ads in some fashion. And then, uh, however, portions later, he also became part of a political sticker or um, image for some politician. And then Harvard Kurtzman, I don't know how or what happened, decided to use him. And he appeared in issue 21 in a small little corner. But it wasn't until Al, Al Feldstein joined EC and took over Kurtzman's position and made Alfred E. Newman the face for that company in issue number 30 on. And so from there, he was the one who decided that he's going to be the jolly green giant of MAD. He's going to be that face. It even says here in his uh, word bubble, what? Me worry? And that phrase would actually come out on the cover before this character would appear in issue 30. Um, that phrase appeared in issue number 24. Oh, okay. Did not know that. And the signature, dude, that strong square, I've seen it on so many Golden Age titles. Yeah, his signature, I mean, maybe it's so dramatic because he wanted to really emphasize how to pronounce his name. But um, And you learn how to pronounce his name because um, he actually used a mug for the last portion of it. It used to be Feld. And then in a couple comics, uh, Panic Number 1 by EC had an actual stein of beer. So you would finally realize his name was Al Feldstein, not Feldstein. That's right. Get it right. Get it right. Have oh. a beer on Al Feldstein. And take a look at this next beauty. The reason why you bought this sketchbook. We have a swamp thing done by, Spur by Bernie Wrightson. And what's really fun about this is that the paper is consistent. It's this kind of thick canvas. And for a quick sketch, you would think that you wouldn't have something so rough that you would require a really heavy ink, something like a Sharpie. And that's what you got here. You have these like Sharpie sketches that require a lot of pressure to get the ink to transfer. And you can see that here in this Bernie writes and sketch. Look at that black and how many times Bernie had to go over with that pen. Yeah, I mean, we have this classic swamp thing. So cool, I mean, man. we all know House of Secrets 92, that amazing image for the first appearance of Swamp Thing. And if I have a rights in, it's either going to be a Frankenstein or a Swamp Thing for me. And so I was really excited to get this. Um, the absolute king of macabre. I mean, I don't know what to say. I'll probably take this one out and frame it at some point. Absolutely. Now we got to stop at that next one, man. Look at that. That's George Perez. I can tell mm, it from that yeah. line work. Good call on that one. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we got Starfire. This guy has got the best line work in the game, and it's so unfortunate that he's retired, but you know what? He deserves to be retired because that man drew so much. Goodness. Look at how gorgeous the Starfire is. Look at all the line work around her neck. Ah, he is so good. I'm so jealous. I want this. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to keep flipping. Oh, hey, look at this. Uh, Banks, this is the cover artist of Green Lantern, that classic uh, issue number 49. <laughs> Daryl Banks did this. Kyle Rayner here. Like you mentioned, that classic 49 with the, all those rings on his fingers. Uh, I think that's Fire Guy Ryan's One of favorite his favorite covers. Very quick, cool. got a Green Lantern sketch in there. Yeah, we got it. What else you got in there? I've got really a lot of stuff, about. man. Oh, 
Gotta have a Stan Sakai signature. Oh, of course. Classic Yosagi Ujimbo. Ugh. What else we got here? There's another Green Lantern that I wanted you to show the community. In All right. Let's see here. Let me see. All right. Here we go. So this one. Take a look at that one. Uh, I think it's the only color sketch I have in there. Yeah, the only one that was colored in here. And oh my gosh, I'm so glad that this was the one that was colored. Creator of the Green Lantern from 1940, Alan Scott. Yeah, so that's done by Martin O'Dell, like you said, the creator. And a funny thing about that is if you don't know the history of how he um, came with the, the character idea, he was over on 34th Street in Manhattan waiting for a train and... Uh, I guess there's just be people walking up and down the tracks with a lantern that would change colors from red to green, probably just signaling trains coming or going. So that's where he got the lantern concept of the green lantern. And then the costume design came from his influences of Greek mythology and other interests in music and history that he had. So fun to think about just like the day-to-day stuff that these creators kind of just reach for throughout their creative process seeing someone holding a green lantern probably every day of his life just on his, on his way to and from work. He's like, you know what? Boom. I'm just going to incorporate that into my story. And then that's what he becomes known for. Freaking dope, dude. Yeah. I mean, he appeared in all American comics 16 and, um, that was before there was even DC was DC yet. All American got consumed, not consumed, but acquired by what uh, eventually became DC. All right, and then this last one here that I got to just stop and highlight. Dude, you got an original Wolverine sketch by Herb Trimpey? Yeah, so Herb Trimpey, I mean, he was the first one to really draw Wolverine on a published cover of a comic. So That's cool. we all know Hulk 181, the classic yellow suit that he's got with the thin black striping. And yeah, this, this is like this like thin Logan. This line work is so slick and thin, and this is like a slender version of Logan. Yeah, he's more the uh, CrossFit Logan that we know. Opposed <laughs> to like, <laughs> for real though. And he's got like the claws coming out of his uh, gloves, which at the time he assumed that it was more like an added weapon that he wore, not necessarily something protruding from his body. So cool! Big congratulations to Dan Phillips. He won a full year of Key Collector Comics, the best comic book app that exists on the market because he commented on our video in our last podcast when we were in Chicago hosting the CGC social media for C2E2. Congratulations, Dan. Enjoy that Key Collector. That's right. And we're actually going to move on to the next subject of the show, which is your comments, the community's comments. It's fewer comments, baby. So we just talked about Wolverine. We sure did. So I want to read a comment here that ties into that. So when we were at C2E2, we did a podcast, and Nick was on that podcast. Mike McNeil wrote, looks like Nick is going to try out for the new Wolverine role. Now, when I read this, I was like, what's he talking about? And then I looked at Nick. I was like, yeah, Nick can look like Wolverine. And not like the one we just discussed, the CrossFit Slender, but more like the squattier, like beefier Wolverine, right? Yeah, he's got kind of Sam Keith-like, you know. And uh, I was looking, I was like, I could see that, man. I was like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm sitting next to Wolverine. Oh, comic fan, what do you think? Does Nick look like Logan? We want to hear from you. Maybe we can get him to cosplay. And I bet he would consider doing it if we let him wear his Key Collector shirt. (laughs) It's got to be yellow. (laughs) 
<laughs> we love you, Nick. Oh, and use that code Tom101 to get a free week subscription of the best comic book app that exists on the market. We appreciate the comment. I'm sure Nick does too. I think he does. All right, next comment. Next comment is from Eddie Spurlock. He says, in reference to the Otis conversation, I would pay $300 for one share of Action Comics. So we have one person that would do it. I would do it. You would do it. Heck, we're already 1% of the way there. Yeah, I don't think it'd be hard to find 1,000 people if you did 1,000 shares to want to buy that book for $300 a share. Now, we did find something interesting is that they do plan to move the items between a five to 10 year period. We need to explain this. There's a lot of people misunderstanding this part of the investment. People think that this is something that you're just going to own a stake in forever and are complaining that because you're never going to physically be able to hold the comic that this is all worthless. No, there's a big misunderstanding. These are assets that the companies acquire that the community at large can take a stake in. But over time, there are ways to make money off of said asset, including the final, which is the sale of said asset and the benefit of getting the proceeds. Well, then they also mentioned that if you had like a piece of artwork or something that will go to a museum or somewhere on a tour of anything like that where it's displayed, that financial... Um, revenue of from that will be dispersed to owners of the stocks. So exactly. that's very interesting how that could be another way to get some type of return or dividend. Yeah, o- obviously it's still early on, you know, but there there are more details to it that make it a little bit more fascinating to try out. Yeah. So in this particular example of an action one, the idea is that you would put money to own a piece of a stock, but if you look over on their FAQ page, Otis says that their goal is to sell that stock between five and 10 years after it's acquired and provided as a potential option for the community to invest in. The idea is that it's worth more at the end of those five to 10 years. And based off of community voting is what it sounds like. They hear from their shareholders. Collectively, they decide if they move said item. So it's not necessarily you are investing into one comic book. You are having the opportunity not just to invest in it and to be able to sell those shares between the time that they acquire and decide to sell it, but you are actually benefiting as well on the flip of the comic book. Yeah, and don't don't go looking for an action one, by the way, because there isn't one out there right now. We're just discussing this company and what if and an action one. What, was this something that would make you... What What book would make you want to dive in? Which is maybe probably a good question for you guys, if you at all, but I get it. But there is another company, too, that we saw named Rally. Yeah, people are like, ah, no, this is no way something I want to touch. But the reason why we're covering this type of like change in the market is because what we predicted has happened. There's another company on the market doing the same thing. So Rally, this company I mentioned, has two of its own comic books up. It has a Batman 394, so we're going to see a Golden Age book now. And that's $78 a share. And 9.4 obviously is a very high grade. And there was also a Spider-Man number one that was a 6.5 at $22 a share. Not sure how many shares they're trying to sell, but now we're seeing a Silver Age key and a Golden Age book. And two different applications that are essentially promising to do the same thing. You know, get a piece of the book and then benefit as if you were an owner of the book because technically you are. You own a small percentage fascinating we're going to keep watching this and 
maybe that extra information will change the opinion of the community. I'm eager to hear their thoughts in the comment section below. Let's keep this going. So we have absolutely no affiliation with these guys. Zero. Okay, we get no money from it, but it, I, like you said, I find it really interesting. You want to test it, don't and you? And I a do want to test it, and I'm going to test it. I'm going to buy a share of something, and maybe two shares, but I'm going to leave it up to you guys. So either I buy uh, a share of Spidey 129.98. That's right. There's also that giant size 98. Yep, giant size X-Men 198. Um, Batman 3.94, or the Spider-Man 165. Okay, which one, comic fam? Tell the guru which one you want to see him put his comic book investment money into i'm buying two shares okay for the same book you guys tell me all right and then this next comment that we have to discuss is from sean actually in reference to rob liefeld he said he did his job you guys are talking about him on your show good or bad this is curious this has me thinking what if rob liefeld is currently playing us all what if he is the Kanye West of the comic book industry and we're just playing into it? He's actually in full control. He knows exactly what he's doing. It's all a reason to just like get more comics sold, to keep him on people's radar, spec radar, Marvel radar, DC radar. Is this all because Rob is a genius and he's screwing with us? He's in control. I absolutely do not think that is the reason. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I like. I already think he's got our attention. It's not like he needs to have our attention or to earn it or whatever. I think he's got everyone's attention. So, trying to stay relevant, I don't think this is the way he's doing it. I just think he can't control himself. So this is just what we're getting. All right, comic fan, we've got it. This is a conversation that's never going to end, and we got to keep it going. We want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> we got to keep it going. <laughs> oh man. All right, and then the next comment is from Cool and Collected in reference to the punchline coverage. He says that he believes that some people get a little too greedy, especially when there's a lot of hype. However, if that sparks interest of new readers, that's great for everyone. All right, great video. Thanks. We appreciate that. And I think that that's what we have to look to is new readers. Really, our opinions only matter so much. And I think we actually had the most important opinion get shared with us this week, didn't we not? We did. We did. And, and uh, I think it's important keeping current reader attention and then expanding to new reader, ten new reader acquisitions of you know, the future. So this clip is the future. And maybe what people are saying is kind of Joker's new girlfriend. <laughs> so you haven't seen Punchline yet. So I have an image on the TV. I want to get uh, your first impression. What does she you think? Let me know oh, I love if you this. Think punchline is cool. All right. Mm -hmm. Turn around. <laughs> take a right look. There. That's punchline. What did she say? What do you think? Does punchline look cool? She looks cool. Ah. Uh, Would you want to read her book? Ah. Uh, She'd be fun to like read, right? All right. I think that's it. That's all we need to know. That's it. We're that's good job. Does anything else need to be said? Nope, enough said. See you guys next week. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on back. We have to do a CGC unboxing. Hit the subscribe button, comic fam. We make a lot of comic book-themed content, and sometimes 
comic books come in that we got graded and we showcase them here on the show because sometimes I have stories and I'm looking at a green label in your stack. I'm curious to find out if that was intentional. We'll get into it, but let's jump into it because I've been waiting on some of these books for a few months. And the first one I want to share is a book that I actually purchased from the Shortbox app. Yeah. So Shortbox is a new app that you can find and it's in the app store. And, um, this is an app created by developers who are actually comic book collectors, like serious fans of the hobby. So you get both the clean, gorgeous uh, use of this app, plus you get the, the knowledge and, and design of it to where it makes sense for you as a collector how you want to see it, how to purchase it, how to check out. And it's a really, really fun app. Again, not something that's like sponsoring in any way, but... Not a sponsor in any way. None, but it's friends of the community. All right, everybody I've met really enjoy their app and this them as people. And you'll see them at Con Floors. It's called Shortbox. Check it out. It's a free download, and it's just a really cool app. You hit me up. You're like, dude, I have a chance to pick this up from my homies. It's a Margie 36, and you know that I'm actively hunting these down. Um, this issue of Margie 36 came out in 1947, and we know that Stanley is notorious for writing himself in his stories. Well, this actually happened for the first time in this issue. Margie issue number 36, Stan takes Margie out on a date to go meet a Frank Sinatra type of character. And it's the first time he was written into a fictitious story. Yeah, it's a really cool book. And once we kind of can get that on the label because I think it deserves to be on a label. Yeah, it's not there. I'm hoping that maybe we can uh, submit a request and get that official. Yeah, just review the book, take a look at the actual story, and uh, hopefully. All right, what do you got? So I have several books here. This here is Marvel Mystery Comics 44. This is a classic super airplane cover. Okay, timely. Um, I had this book had a piece of paper on here that I had to remove just so it wouldn't be restored, someone placed one little piece of paper there in red. So remove that and about seven pieces of tape that just came right off and got myself a 1.8, which is exactly the highest I thought I would get on this book. Holy smokes. That is a lot of work you had to do to avoid that purple label. Yeah, I mean, yes. And, uh, you know, I did get it videotaped, so maybe one day we can release just the removing of it. Yeah. And then the same with the tape coming off. But one eight, what's a book like that in that grade approximately worth? Well, a nine, I think a nine four just sold for like fifty seven thousand or something just over this last week. Um, this one eight, I'm gonna try to market it around thirty eight hundred. Um, so I'm assuming more market price is closer to around three to thirty two, but it's hard to tell with these books. And you don't see them very often. No, and when you do, like I said, this is one of the more sought after Marvel mystery comics. This next book that I'm holding, I am so stoked about. I got a grade bump. I had it pressed. And this book, oh my goodness. It's a 9-6, Crow number one first print. It's one of my all-time favorite stories, one of my all-time favorite books. And it's a gorgeous copy. And it's so tough and high grade, man. It was a 9-4 originally, and I spotted some problems on the spine. And fortunately, it was pressed out, and the book is looking gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, black cover, 9-6. Yeah. On, a, on a book whose paper is just so sensitive. I mean, this is not like your Golden Age books. Like, I swear there's modern books and Copper Age books are harder to handle because of this paper is so delicate. 
yeah, it's notorious for fingerprints too. You have to have a, like a microfiber cloth next to you just to handle this book because it's transferable so easily. I mean, that's why I love working with the, Del- the, the Golden Age. Like everything's sturdy and easy to deal with. I mean, I, I deal with these books too, but like the second like I'm holding uh, the cover, maybe uh, I move too fast and the wind flops the cover over my thumb, like I auto- automatically have a crease I got to press out. So this is awesome. Nine six. I mean, these are razor sharp corners. Just such a cool book. All black cover like that. Man. Yeah. All right. What do you got over there? I see a black label. It's a pedigree. What's going yeah, on? Yeah. So this book was a five O blue, and um, it was a Cookville, uh, part of the Cookville collection. But Cookville collection didn't become a recognized pedigree till of last year. So now that it's a recognized pedigree. I had it transferred into the newer case holders with much better plastic. And now it's got the black tuxedo label, I like to call it, with the Cookville uh, on um, on the label. And it's a 5-0, and I'm assuming that SN in the letters is the signifier that this is part of the pedigree? Yeah, that's just clear as day, S and N on there, and um, you know it's a Cookville. And it's an Alex Schomburg cover. It's classic 5.0. Considering the pedigree, what would a you know, classic bondage cover like that go for in today's market? It's hard to say with this book. I'll be honest with you. Um, I think conservatively, it's maybe close to a 12K book. But on the low end, I've seen some incredible sales even at a 1.0 to 2.0. So um, 12 to 15 on, a, on, a, on an amazing day. All right. This next book here, I am so stoked about getting back as a blue label. This is crazy. This is my crow number one. This may actually be the rarest crow comic book that exists. It's a low grade 2.0, but the reason why that 2.0 doesn't matter to me is because of the manufacturer error that is actually on the blue label. It says right here on the top, manufacturer error, and it says here underneath the caliber press, February 1989 date, manufactured with blank interior cover does not affect story that's crazy so like how do you even i mean this is just an oddity as it is right? already a low print run book this is nuts man so there's nothing on the inside front cover or the inside back cover completely blank huh. yeah I, what are you gonna do with this keeper um this one is probably gonna get listed and priced way too high because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sell it, but it's awesome. Yeah, the one book I have here is a giant size X-Men 1, um, 6.5, white pager. You know, with this book, it was tough for me to really grade because it was a nice book structurally, but it had like foxing on the front cover. Mm. Um, and so I wasn't sure how hard it's going to get hit for that. So 6.5 white, I mean, that that sounds... Right. I mean, it's a nice book. It's just sometimes you don't know how you're gonna a book's gonna be hit for a certain fault. Right. That spine is really tough to judge as well, but it makes sense. It actually has the appearance of a seven L. But you're right. That foxing definitely didn't help. No. No. All right. So these next two books here, I'm actually gonna save the stories for in the after show. We continue the conversation on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes, and we're gonna get into a little bit more about how I acquired these two because they were a half price books find and I'll get into like what I paid for them and such. But 
I have been waiting for these two issues. And this next one here, I am so stoked to show, came back a 9.8. We have Captain Marvel issue number 14, the first appearance in cameo of Kamala Khan. Talk about a character who has legs, okay? I mean, somebody who's got a bright future and a strong following. So that book, as something that's going to continue to be desired, has a really high potential. So we'll see how they utilize her in future issues and even maybe even the Marvel MCU, you know, even in the MCU. It's tough to find in high grade. It's tough to find on the hunt at all. And I got it raw. And having it come back at 9.8, dude, I was crossing my fingers for a 9.6. I'm floored that it came back at 9.8. And I think this is a good book to be holding on to right now. We haven't heard anything really about the you know up and coming Ms. Marvel show. And I have a feeling that as we get closer and we see more trailers drop and we see her powers actually get utilized on screen, this is a book that's going to shoot up. I still think this has room. So these next two books here, are, it's the same book, different grades. And I'm going to get into the details of one uh, in the after show. But um, they're both FF48s. One's a 5.5 white, okay? And the other is an FF4850 green. So, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so if you want to hear the details of why this got a green label, because I was thinking a purple label. Ooh. So, okay. you, so you knew something was up, but you thought it would be purple, not yeah. green. And then I understand why it's green after I got oh, it graded. Oh, my goodness. Comic so. fam, you're going to have to go and join us in the after show. But but how do you feel about the grades aside from the fact the green label? I'm happy with the grades. Yeah. It's exactly where they should be. First appearance of Silver Surfer. I mean, it's a classic key. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So I'm glad they're encapsulated now. It's official. White pages. I can't be happier with, than that. So You feel like those white pages for those particular grade ranges are important? Absolutely. I think it's, well, yeah. I mean, page quality, I think, is extremely important and isn't something that someone should look over. And um, white page, especially when it's a solo white, not like off-white to white, I mean, like, that's very desirable from a lot of collectors. All right. So this last book that came, I'm 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 very happy with the grade. I didn't think it would come back a nine six. I was hoping for a nine four, and it came back a nine six. I'm holding an Ultimate Fallout issue number four. But this is the one in twenty five variant. The first appearance of Miles Morales, graded at nine point six. This book is like fifteen hundred bucks right now at this grade. I freaking scored. That's crazy, man. Bought it raw. I'm gonna get into the specifics in the after show. Yeah, fifteen hundred dollars for a modern book like that's crazy. But you know what, Miles Morales, like it, it, that character's here to stay, man. You know what? I'm glad that he made it into an animated film, and there's gonna be a time where we're gonna see a live action Miles Morales. He is such a respected, uh, uh, such a respected wearer of the Spider Man costume. Yeah, and it wasn't just a movie. I mean, it was like the movie of the year for me. I thought it was fantastic. One of the best Spider-Man movies to ever come out. And I think that it's just another example of a book that, you know, yeah, it's pretty new, but I still think has room to grow. I think you're right. I mean, to be a one in 25 book that probably wasn't expected to be as, you know, explosive as it was, or the character to be as important as it is, puts it in a different tier over the regular issue. And like you said, Miles Morales, man, He's got a huge following of people. And so I, I agree with you. I think that book definitely has potential to keep going. 
I'm feeling pretty good about my grades. How you feeling? I am equally happy with my grades, man. Anytime I get some fresh slabs in, of especially key books, it's, it, it is always a good feeling because there's that weight and anticipation. And then when you have it in your hand, that's when it's like real. That's right. That patient pays off. And I'm so stoked to have the community here to join us when we get to open these and experience it together. Comic fam, we only have a couple more days for you to join the mystery mail call in March. Reserve your box. Secure your copy of Spider-Woman number one, the comic Tom variant. This cover is so gorgeous. And I'm going to announce right here, right now, the extra exclusive comic that we are only going to be sending a handful of members in the mystery mail call. I bought under 500 copies and got them all signed by the cover artist Piper. I have the Comic Tom exclusive, the mall issue number one, courtesy of Scout Comics, made and going out to select members in March. I'm trying to do something fun, you know, make some extra scarce exclusives to go out into the community. And you know what? I couldn't pass this cover up. It's gorgeous. Artist Piper came on the scene so strong, killing it with this cover. And I think a lot of members are going to be treated by owning this in their collection. Artist Piper killed it with the print and this book. Artist Piper not only did the mall exclusive that select members will get a copy of, Artist Piper did the newsletter print as well as the Catwoman print that everybody in the mail call is going to be getting. So we appreciate this very talented creator and Scout Comics for working with us. Thank you again, Piper. Thank you, Mystery Mail Call subscribers. Thank you, Comic Fam. Stick around because we got after hours. You're not going to want to miss it. That's right. SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. We appreciate your time today. And don't forget to like and subscribe. We make a lot of content. We need you here for the ride. And then, as always, geek responsibly. Enough said. All right. We're in the after show. In real talk right now, Jeff, we have recorded that podcast more than once. The first time that I recorded that podcast, I didn't click one button on the damn digital recorder and we recorded not to the microphones, not to the nice microphones that make it so that our community can hear us clearly with diction. No. Mm-hmm. I recorded to the microphones on the digital recorder that makes it sound like this the whole time. Like we're way over here. How you doing today, Jeff? Good. Pass the salt tub. I really like your graded comics. So we are back now. And Jeff, how you doing? Better, man. I'm glad that we got to get back into the studio, finish it up properly, and we got some slabs in. Guess what we didn't do? We didn't do the main thing that we set out to do today. Oh, no. What did we forget? We forgot the entire thing that we were going to do. I'm just kidding, dude. We didn't do anything wrong. This is just me... Pulling your leg, Jeff. We've, we actually did everything right. We recorded it. It's here. And now we're going to tell the community a little bit about some comic books we unboxed. Yeah. So in the main show for this, we unboxed a bunch of books, but we each reserved one book with a story. Yeah. Well, technically two books because I said that I got the ultimate Fallout issue number four, the one in 25 variant, as well as the Captain Marvel issue 14 standard cover, both of them coming back great grades, but I bought them together at half price books and I wanted to share the story. You have a green label I wanted to hear about. You freaking diva. I have one book and you have to have two, don't you? Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, that's one story. But anyways. I'm just kidding. What happened with this, man? You wanted it to be a purple? You thought it would be a purple? <sighs> so that's F- a very different label, man. It is a very different label. One's a, okay, so a purple label is Resto. 
Something's yeah. been added to the book. Something's something's not right, but it's all there. But the green label, the dreaded green label, it means that it was incomplete. Yeah, so I, I, I have this book. I got it from a friend of mine. And um, I bought it, and I uh, when I got the book in hand, I told him there's restoration on it, okay? I counted the book's pages. Um, I counted the back half, and then I noticed the restoration and stopped there. And so I did my part, and I scraped off all this color touch that was all on this book, okay? And I guess in doing so, I did a good job, okay? So I submitted the book, and apparently... It's missing a page three, which is the front half of the book. So I spent all this time worrying about the color touch and removing it that I didn't realize I didn't finish counting the book. You didn't finish (laughs) counting it. So I'm totally expecting if there's any colored label I'm going to get, it's going to be purple. Right. And maybe I missed a spot or something. There's looking at resto, but you missed the whole damn page. Yeah. So instead (laughs) of like doing, I did the hard part. And all I needed to do was count the book and realize, great, I had a restored incomplete copy when it came down to it. So now, now I just have an incomplete Fantastic 448, which doesn't affect story, guys. <laughs> it's still desirable. <laughs> so it's still very desirable. <laughs> uh, it happens to the best of us, man. I know. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, God, really? I had to pick that one up for you. I was, uh, I was interested to hear your thoughts on it. Well, now you know. Now I know. It wasn't intentional. Whoopsies. All right. Well, that's fun. Um, All right. So both of these books um, that I picked up, Captain Marvel and The Ultimate Fallout Issue 4. Let me kind of just bring it back to where I was. I was driving home in Edmonds, right? You know, and I was driving past 196 and there's a half price books there. I was actually heading towards the 7-Eleven. I was getting close and I was thinking about getting a taquito. You know, one of those like jalapeno taquitos. I had a hankering for one. But I thought to myself, you know what? Nah, not today. I'm going to skip the jalapeno taquito. So I was driving past it, but then I had this gut feeling of like, eh, I kind of want that taquito. And you know what? I've been good. I was working out recently. And if I double back, I'm already going to be heading the direction of the half price books that I just drove past. And I had that feeling. That feeling you get when you know that you can go through and take like 10 or 15 minutes to look through some comics, but you, you know, like, you know, it's there and it's an option. Like you don't have to, it's not a collection. You're going to go like plan it to go see, but you're driving past someplace. It's a comic shop, you know, it's a, it's a thrift store. It's a place that typically has comics. And I had that feeling. So I thought to myself, if I go back to half price books and I look through the comics by the end of me looking through, if there's something there, that's cool. If there's not, oh, well, I'll be more hungry I'll hit 7-Eleven on the way home, get my taquitos, and I'll head home and have a good night. That's my thinking. So I turn around. I make the decision to turn around, and I'm glad I went with my gut on two occasions. One, I ended up getting those jalapenos, and they were good. But I went with my gut for the second reason, which was the the hunt was calling me. And I decided to go look. So I went into the half-price books, and there was nothing there. Nothing that was exciting, except for a random comic book that was... Um, photocopied they they photocopied the cover of like a random issue of it was like spidey three something with todd mcfarlane on the cover you know doing the cover no big key or anything like that but the cover itself was signed by mcfarlane and stan lee and what they do for comics that they price a bit higher they photocopy it and they just put it in the bag so that 
people who are looking through there, like the average customer doesn't mess it up because the perceived value is a bit higher, but there was no price on it. So I told the lady, I'm like, you know, I kind of want to see the book. I'm curious. Like maybe it's 30 bucks. Maybe it's 40 bucks. Heck, maybe it's 50 bucks and I'll buy it, you know, but anything more than like 50, I'd probably pass on, you know, and it depends on grade and what have you. So she brought back that book. It was in a folder and sure thing. It was like a VG. It was actually a low grade book that was dual sign and they had it priced for like a hundred plus dollars. Wasn't about to buy that, but there were a couple other books in that folder. These two books. I had the Captain America, Captain Marvel 14 and the ultimate fallout four that was in there. Um, the Captain Marvel was priced at a hundred and the ultimate fallout four was priced at 300 bucks. And I thought, all right, $400 for both of these books. If I get lucky on the grades, it'll pay for itself for sure. So I thought I was in, you know, I was, I was, I was doing well at that point. I decided to put them both together and just ask, Hey, you know, I'm interested in both of these. Could you do a better deal on them if I buy both? And they were so surprised that I was actually considering buying a few hundred dollars in comics that they gave me like 20% off because she was able to point to a ding on the comic and said, Hey, I know that the condition matters and I can see there's a little bit of a problem on this one. So I'll give you 20% off. So I got 20% off the books and that ding was the difference between the nine, six and nine, eight. I'm, I'm guessing because there is a small little crease there, but it's barely color breaking and yeah, I'm holding a nine, six. So I lucked out. So, you know, I was able to pay under 400 bucks for, I think, I think just the Captain Marvel 14 at 98 is worth 350 right now. So, I'm pretty pretty stoked about the uh about the grades and the decision to turn around. Um mostly because those jalapeno poppers are bomb. They're taquitos, but they're essentially a jalapeno popper wrapped up in a taquito. And I was also able to get these two books that I otherwise wouldn't have gotten had I not just like gone with the the flow of the hunt. Yeah, and I mean, look, it, it's fun and lucky to come across books like that, but it's it's more about knowing enough to make that commitment to that book so it's one like you found it cool right but you also had the knowledge and um, understanding of what this book could be potential behind it and then committing the the finances to it which is a big part of it it's not just finding the book it's like okay well i found it for this now does that make sense or or not and what could it be potentially? Do I take that risk? Risk, risk, rewards. It's a big conversation. So that's a big part of our collectible, you know, because you can always buy these books at any given point. I mean, these books are out there. You can go spend that top dollar. Or if you're lucky enough and you can find it in the wild and you see opportunity, are you that person who's going to make that jump and do it? Or are you going to let pass, opportunity pass you by? And those are also huge learning experiences. Because you will have wins, but you'll also have fails. And, like, I learn way more from my fails than my wins. Very true. So here's a couple for us. Like, I lost on this, but that taught me a big lesson. You know, I mean, I was into it okay for whatever. But, A, I got better at removing color touch. <laughs> B, <laughs> right. I, I got to remember to always count the second half of a book. Right. Okay. Because you count the, the for especially for Silver Age book or Bronze Age book, you count the nine pages with the cover from the back to the middle. And then you got to remember to count the middle to the front because you can't always assume that it's all there. A page was ripped out. So lesson learned. And yeah. I already knew that lesson. But again, you just kind of get lazy sometimes, but you just can't because that's the time it bites you in the butt. 
That's right, man. And you have to know when to kind of just go with your gut. You know, it's, you know, sometimes you have to be kind of confident in your grading. And in my case, I was really rolling, rolling the dice, man. Like if these came back like nine fours, it wouldn't have been that big of a win for me. And in that case, you may think, yeah, you, at least you're making your money back. So it's no big deal. Yeah. But you're tying your money up for six plus months. You know, it's not necessarily worth that big investment if your money's being tied up and your ending payoff is breaking even. So you win some, you lose some, but you're right. You learn a lot from going through the process. You learn a lot about grading. I think that's probably been the most common thing I've heard within the dealer community is that dealers learned a lot from Overstreet. They learn a lot from like, you know, grading on the show floor, purchasing comics, learning from their peers, but they all really like cement their learning. They really get their foundation and their structure down by going through the process and submitting and actually seeing, hey, this is what I think this this should be and then being right and getting that validation. You know, it's one thing to call a 9.8. It's another thing to call a 6.0. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it helps because the more people you grade with and get stuff graded, there's more that that mental template that you remember of what a book is and and what tier to put it in. And maybe you're off by half a point here and there, okay, which is great but i mean if you start getting off too much it's it's a good way to just rein you in and give you get you that that foundation and then you can grow from that so let this be a reminder comic fam even the best of us make mistakes the guru missed a page it happens he was counting quick and you know what i've gotten so many green labels for that same reason in the past it it just it happens to all of us but it's you know let us be the reminder for you count your pages and also be willing to, you know, take that risk sometimes. Sometimes that, you know, you can, you can actually bet on yourself and come out strong. And in this case, for me, I have a couple thousand dollars here in comic books that I'll be able to use towards something else and kind of work my way up to something else that I want a bit more than these variants or these, you know, big keys that I'm sitting in front of. I think it absolutely makes sense. So collect the way you want to collect. You have bigger books and aspirations for yours, so you'll take those and turn them around to whatever, and I'll I'll turn these around into whatever I want. I mean, I'll probably keep one or two, maybe not. We'll see, because there's always something else out there, it feels like, that once you own it, you, you almost, I don't know, sometimes you feel that, that want, and then after in time, you're like, you know what, I could let it go, because now there's something else that I really wanted also. So... I love how it's always evolving. Your tastes change. Um, other than that, guys, thank you for joining the show. Yeah, have a good rest of your weekend. We'll see you very soon. Peace.